In this week's update, the importance of recognising when a significant shift in strategy is needed. Global markets remain on track for a strong 2024, and gold still refusing to move. My name's Gary Davis. As always, this is general advice only, and please remember to like and subscribe to the video. All right, let's. Uh, we're still in January, so let's uh, have a bit of a, another look at perspective for 2024. Um, there's a there's a shift in emphasis in the US, which I believe is just is just starting. Um, the Magnificent Seven, which everybody understands what those companies are and do, have done fabulously well in the last um, year or so, and they've contributed between thirty and forty five percent of the gains in the main indices, being the S and P and the Nasdaq. But inevitably. Markets always go through rotation. Um, some sectors just get too much in favour. They get ahead of themselves and we get money taking profit and moving into other sectors. So that's inevitable. And in fact, it's, it's healthy. In 2023, the S&P was up 24%. And the RSP, which is the equal weighted uh, S&P 500, was only up 12%. So it has lagged very significantly. And that's because of what I talked about with the, um, the so-called Magnificent Seven. So a significant um, over-influence, if you like, on the indices. And all these things do end up reverting to the mean. It's just a matter of when. Um, if we look at FY24, it's, um, it certainly looks like it's going to be a good year for high growth stocks. But I'm certainly looking for stocks that are at a much lower valuation because the valuations around those, those leading tech stocks is starting to become pretty stretched. And so this would be really a very good environment for some sort of rotation. Rotation to, to better probabilities, more, more likelihood of a successful um, 2024 due to um, lower values in real quality companies. And just a few examples, because there are many in America. Um, home builders have been doing very well and, and look set to continue to do very well. Niche industrials in numerous areas. Uh, consumer discretionary has, um, has done exceptionally well, or some, of, some parts of it have in uh, the last 12 months or so. And of course, small cap technology as well. Uh, playing catch up to um, to their big brothers, so I think that's what we're going to see more of in 2024. And of course, what happens in America gets exported to other stock markets around the world. So if you're an Australian only only investor, these things are still relevant because they will have an impact um, on the various industry groups uh, in Australia. When it comes to the semiconductor industry, and I, I talk about this every week because it's so critical as an indicator of, of market sentiment um, and also the, the health of, um, of the, the U.S. manufacturing sector, there are conflicting signals coming from that semiconductor um, sector. So um, we, we had the Taiwan Semiconductors reporting on an absolute ripper result in um, uh, just a, a week or so ago, and um, they look poised, and particularly with their outlook statement, they look poised um, 
to have a, uh, a terrific 2024. And yet only just a day or so ago, we saw Intel disappoint badly on their results and also provide a, a pretty poor um, a forecast outlook as well. So in direct contrast to what um, TSM had done. And sitting in the middle, um, KLA, KLA 10 core, which is another very significant semiconductor producer, um, they missed expectations and provided a poor forecast. But when you look underneath the hood, it was, it was more about they missed expectations to an inflated, um, to an inflated consensus. So I'm not going to mark them down too heavily on that, but it does add up to the fact that not all companies are performing the same way. Now, the overall semiconductor industry, uh, the, the consensus seems to be that 2023 was a low point in the industry, even though some semiconductor stocks did very well, um, and that the industry as a whole gets better from here. So we do certainly have some very conflicting signals from, uh, from semiconductors. Um, so that's definitely one to watch. Um, if we look at the setup of, of the semiconductor industry, they've had a pretty significant run. So a bit of a pullback now would be, um, would be warranted, you would have to think. Um, so, you know, perhaps it's just a case of expectations got ahead of themselves they're fairly high. They're they're probably not going to be met, and so we might get a, a period of um, relative underperformance of semiconductors. But that's certainly no no justification to abandon the sector. So on balance, I I still think semiconductors will do well in 2024, and that should be uh, pretty good for the overall market. Now I just want to touch on something that's um, that's particularly important. Uh, at the moment because of events of, um, of recent weeks. And that's the, the temptation to just keep doing what you're doing or to look at it the other way, the need to amend your strategy. Markets are always in, in periodic rotation from time to time. Sometimes it's smoothly and somewhat predictably because certain segments just get overheated. But sometimes it's quite badly and it's quite illogically. And we certainly have one of those situations on our hands at the moment. And you can do your research as diligently as you possibly can and still get caught out. So that's why risk management is just such a vital component of in investment success. You should never assume that anything is a real lock and just absolutely go for it with everything that you've got. Because eventually the illogical will come up, the unexpected will come up and it'll get you and, it'll, and it will be very costly. So the important thing is just to manage risk with an eye on the unexpected, uh, be very willing to amend your strategy. Um, it's so very evident in recent weeks with critical minerals, in particular um, critical mineral developers in Australia, the, more the small caps. They got absolutely decimated in 2023, but it's only really recently that the real prospect of them failing, of going into administration, became a possibility. Before that, it was reasonable to conclude that they'll just eventually bounce back. Uh, it was really just a, a matter of time. They might go a bit lower, 
than what we originally thought, but they would bounce back. But there's certainly evidence of late that changes that, that scene. Um, now, if you think back to December, I spent um, four weeks or so going through the formula for getting about, well above average investment returns. If you didn't catch that, then have a look at the four videos that were done on a Sunday during December. And the, the essence of that was that the, the core investments in your portfolio, the, the long-term high quality holds should form somewhere between 65% and 80% of your portfolio. That was the model that, that I put forward. And presently, most of those core investments should be in the non-mining area and, and just let them run because they're going extremely well at the moment. So that's non-mining, high quality growth stocks should form the bulk of your core investments. No more than 10 or 20% should be in high risk small caps and even less in high risk small cap mining stocks. And then to break it down even further, it should still be a large and diverse spread of those different critical minerals developers. So each individual stock position should really be quite small, you know, of, of the ilk of 1% or less. So that was the formula that I put forward during December. And it's, it's got an eye to exploiting the potential uh, very significant upsides, but it also has an eye to the very high risks that are associated with those sort of small cap stocks. So if we just hang some numbers on that, if you had 80% of your portfolio in stocks that were well and truly capable of producing 20 to 25% per annum long-term, and they're out there, there's no question about it. There's, the track records are there. The forecast outlooks are certainly there to allow that sort of performance to continue. So th this is not some theoretical exercise that the, the stocks are out there. Then that provides you with the bulk of your portfolio return right there without doing anything else. You don't have to do a lot of buying and selling to do that. You just need to position yourself in the right stocks when they've gone through a period of, um, of sell down. When it comes then to the more minor part of your portfolio, the high-risk small caps, then net, if you don't lose any money, overall, you've still had a good year. And the odd bonus five to 10 bagger that comes along if you do your homework and position yourself well virtually assures that that doesn't happen. So that is the, that's the formula that I, um, that I presented during December. That's the formula that I use in the Insiders Club. And it's, um, it's a formula that avoids your portfolio getting decimated by being too heavy in these high-risk stocks. So if you're agonizing about the demise of the local small-cap developers, as I know um, many people are, then one of a couple of things happened here. You either got overweight in high-risk stocks, and that's just never advisable. Um, you're being distracted about taking all, yeah, you're just being distracted about taking small-cap losses because the small-cap losses should only be a very minor part of your portfolio. Now, 
or you've just lost focus on the main strategy. And that is that the bulk of your wealth gets created by the core portfolio because it has a high degree of probability of happening. So if we look at the small cap mining reality um, as it stands at the moment, um, it was almost impossible to envisage a major funding issue for critical minerals, sorry, for critical minerals developers a year ago. You know, it really was. You think back to the end of 2022, the start of 2023, when everyone was convinced that it was just a matter of time for critical minerals um, developers to um, to get up and running and um, and everything would would work out fine. Well, that has changed quite dramatically, quite unexpectedly, and it's, it defies logic, to be honest. And we now see in recent weeks that BHP is perhaps contemplating an exit from nickel. I don't know whether they are or they aren't, but they've certainly sus suspended uh, or are going to suspend their operations um, at Cambalda. Um, we've got mines that are being placed on care and maintenance or mines that are going into voluntary administration. So that's been happening over the last um, couple of months, but particularly in the last couple of weeks, there seems to have been a rush of them. Um, so you can't deny that situation. You, you've just got to accept that's what it is and do something about it. To, to sit with your portfolio in, in the status quo because you hate taking losses, it's just not smart. It's just not what successful investors do. Um, no one could have possibly envisaged um, that, the, that uh, the sector would be facing this sort of funding crisis. And, um, but it, look, it is what it is. So you've just get a, got, to, got to get on with it and do something about it. So hopefully that is a perspective that's helpful because I, I know how difficult it is. Uh, you wind back a year Critical minerals look to be one of the most assured, along with AI and, and other uh, parts of technology, look to be the most assured themes that there could possibly be. But a series of circumstances has changed that for a period of time. And I suspect that that period of time will not necessarily be short. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not abandoning critical mineral stocks uh, at all. Uh, because there are still good ones out there, but you've just got to recognize that that sector is facing significant sentiment headwinds. And so it's unlikely to gain the support that it had back in 2022 uh, quickly. That's the message. American stocks, the S&P was up just over 1% on the week. Artificial intelligence is definitely for real. No question about it. But short term, it is overvalued, so do not be surprised if we see a pullback in um, in those majors, and therefore that will will pull the uh, the index indices back um, a notch or two. But I, I think that would just be a healthy setup, so I don't think it's anything to be concerned about. Just don't get caught out by um, by what happens. But look, there are numerous other sectors that are running strongly, have been running strongly for six or twelve months and have a terrific outlook. So just go and hunt in those sectors. And some of them, uh, surprisingly enough, and this even applies to some stocks that have more than doubled, they're still trading on single-digit PEs. 
for two reasons. One is they were you know, wind back six months and they were so outrageously cheap that they were able to double in price and still be cheap. Or alternatively, they're growing their earnings so quickly that um, the PE ratios just really aren't changing much. But that's the reality. There are terrific opportunities in, in the US market. Uh, the US dollar index was fractionally higher, 103 and a half. The 10-year yield is still steady, sitting just over 4%. The VIX was unchanged and this two-year, 10-year, 2-year spread also pretty much unchanged. Let's go and look at some charts. We'll start, first of all, with the equal weight S&P 500, and you can see that we've got an upward bias. It's fairly mild at this stage, but it's definitely heading in the upward direction. The 200-day, sorry, the 200-week moving average is, is also heading up very nicely as well, but we are still below the January 2022 peak. If you look at the S&P, however, then it is more advanced. And that's because of the impact of the big tech stocks, the Magnificent Seven, have driven this index higher because this is a market cap weighted index, whereas this one is not. Um, but my positioning at the moment is on the expectation that we'll start to get much more broadly based participation. It doesn't necessarily mean that the Magnificent Seven are going to fall in price. It just means that I think further down the food chain are going to outperform those stocks. So if you're looking for outperformance in 2024, then I think you need to look further down the food chain. Let's look at where the money flows are, are going underneath the main indices. This is the S&P versus um, the Russell 2000. So this indicates that the S&P is doing better. We certainly had a period during November to the end of the year where the Russell 2000 did some catch up, but just in the last, in, in January so far to date, that has reversed itself again. So the Russell is underperforming in the very short term, but um, it's, you know, perhaps we're just seeing the start of, of this rotation and we going to see perhaps some outperformance from the small caps. NASDAQ versus the S&P, no change here. The NASDAQ still outperforming. So this ratio is rising, so NASDAQ outperforming. Semiconductors, the same. They've done outrageously well in recent weeks, really accelerated. Last week, a bit of a step back, particularly on Friday with the result from Intel. But I think the Intel result, and they've been an underperformer for many years. I think that's going to prove to be a bit of an outlier. Looking at the um, the individual indif individual U.S. sectors over the last fortnight, technology came down a bit on a relative basis. Communication services are still going up very strongly, and this is these are all on a relative basis. Energy has staged a remarkable recovery in the last two weeks and really just in the last couple of days some great outcomes for the um, for ExxonMobil and other major US stocks finance starting to do um, really quite well also um, and then we drop down to uh, 
consumer staples, materials, and healthcare, and uh, and then we've got consumer discretionary at the bottom. But that's just in the last couple of weeks. Let's just look a little bit, a little bit more broadly. We've still got the um, the more aggressive sectors, technology, communication services at the top. But you can see that certainly the finance sector has been improving, and that that along with consumer discretionary, I think are are a couple of areas that one could could look for some, some performance. Turning to Australian sectors now, over the last quarter. Healthcare has certainly been the best of the bunch. Information technology comes next, and then finance, and then small caps and materials. Of course, weighed down by what's been happening in in the critical minerals area is is bringing up the rear. So that's where the the money flows are uh, are going. Aussie stocks, our dollar finished at just over sixty five. Our index rose 1.8% on the week. We might see a, a little bit of easiness on Monday morning. Resources are struggling, but um, they did finish the week in, in more positive fashion. So we might see some follow through in that sector. Increasingly, the number of high quality um, small caps that are undervalued, and we're predominantly talking non-mining here, are moving upwards and, and showing some very good signs. There's certainly some distinct opportunities in that area. Precious metals, gold was down $11 to, uh, to 2018. And look, it's, I just don't know how you could dial up a better environment for gold at the moment with interest rates coming down, geopolitical risks left, right and centre. Um, it really is a, a terrific, and of course, you know, the, the extreme levels of debt that we've got around the world. Um, so there's every reason for gold to um, to be significantly higher than it currently is, but it's just not the case. If we um, translate into Aussie dollars, still hanging around the 3,100 area. And when you look at precious metal stocks, there's just really no momentum in the, uh, in the indices around the world. So that's the situation. Actually, let's just have a look at the gold price. So there's gold on a uh, on a daily chart. This was the week that we had virtually no change there at all, just a little bit lower. But we still we've got this um, this quadruple top, and look who knows this could be just all part of a huge coiling process before we get a breakout. It's certainly taking a long long time to do so. Turning to other commodities, uh, copper and nickel were a little bit higher. Crude oil was up to 78.2. So that was up about $5 on last week. And that's why we saw that rebound in um, energy stocks in America. And there's the, the, uh, there's a chart of um, crude oil, West Texas, West Texas Intermediate uh, on a three-year basis. So you can see We've, we're just in a, a period of broad sideways movement, and um, and that's I'm not sure that that's actually encompasses the the late move in the week. So that might be just a little bit higher into the the close of the week. So final thoughts: um, if you're wrestling 
with uncertainty about what you should do with your portfolio at the moment, uh, if if you're not correctly positioned, if you're not comfortable, that's right, then change it because it's not too late. It's never too late to make a change. Even though I know a lot of those um, small cap critical minerals developers have been really smashed and they're down a long way and you're looking at significant percentage losses, then it's it's still not too late to make a change because 2024 really, in my view, sets up very, very nicely for um, potentially a terrific year. <clears throat> so if you need extra input into how and when to, to make that transition in your portfolio, then you just need to get on and do it. And, and really the, the cost of getting some additional input is really irrelevant. Portfolio analyst last week, um, was a status update, a reality check on the carnage that's happened in resources. Was that capitulation? Have we seen the bottom? Does it get better from here? I really don't. I, I really don't. I'm just dealing with risk management in the best way that I can and not, you know, not form a particularly strong opinion either way. And also we're on the lookout for opportunities of which there are numerous. Still very positive on 2024. That's it for this week. More information on the website. There's my email address and I'll be back with you next Sunday. Cheers.